podcasting from the beautiful Mile High City. You're listening to the Do It Again podcast, the official podcast of scientific wrestling, the undisputed leader in no-holds-barred catch-as-catch-can wrestling. Here's your host, Jake Shannon. is the Do It Again podcast, the official podcast of Scientific Wrestling. I am your host, Jake Shannon, and uh, yes, I'm still alive. Uh, I have not succumbed to the the uh, the evil blood clot, uh, thank God. And I've got a, uh, a guy on the line that uh, has been a friend of mine and a friend through Catch Wrestling. Shit, man, it's got to be going back like 2010 now, so we're, we're looking almost like 10 years. Um, a great guy. Kind of a, a trainer to to uh, an MMA trainer is really maybe where he's getting his bread buttered. He can tell us more about it than than I can. But um, uh, been working in MMA and been involved with uh, grappling for a very long time. Uh, so without any further ado, let me bring him in. Uh, Neil Melanson. Neil, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Jake. Hey, brother. Great to great to be on this uh, podcast. I'm, yeah, I'm thanks for coming on. Yeah, so I'm glad you're still with us. As weird as that sounds. Yeah, no, man. You know, I mean, I literally lo- scary, won the lottery on traveling. that. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you're doing good and your family's okay and everything. That's that's scary, man. And um, that it's a testament, man. You know, you can take it. You can always take it. <laughs> well, the do- you know the doctors did say they were like, man, everybody else probably would have stroked out, had a heart attack, or had their arm amputated, and the only reason it probably didn't happen to you is because you're in good shape. And I mean, that is really just a hell of a lot of, of uh, yoga, a lifetime of wrestling, and then, um, you know, really doing all those Carl, crazy Carl Gotch exercises too. So I'm Maybe just Maybe Billy won't let you die yet. Yeah, I also, no, listen, <laughs> I had moments where I'm like, maybe the ghost of Billy was like totally like saving my life because I was in the UK doing uh, these uh, gr- these uh, catch wrestling yeah, seminars. Yeah, working there like, he's, you know, keep going, pussy. You're not done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it again. He's not, you can't die, you fucker. Um, yeah. That's funny. So, so Neil, for people, um, I mean, obviously a lot of people in catch wrestling know who you are, um, but for people who don't, you came up, and this is what I love because I spent, I only spent like six months over at uh, Gene and Go Course, but back when they were in the old place in North Hollywood. And, yeah. um, but you came up kind of through that, that was like your exposure to catch wrestling was through the Gene LaBelle go core side. Is that fair? Um, I think that's where I got better. Uh, I, I started off in shoe fighting in Cincinnati. Okay. And, uh, cause I was a big pain craze fan. I just liked, I mean, it's kind of what I wanted to do at the time. Yeah. Uh, cause I, I felt like it was more grappling oriented cause back then UFC was not what it is today, you know? Um, right. But then of course I, I sought out people that were, better and uh I, I you know everybody was telling me how high a stand and gene were like brutal and all this stuff and i went out there and it was great it was where i needed to be it, they taught everything and, and they really had a no gi program that was catch wrestling based mixed in it was just like a modern version of it it was like the blend of it and uh i was like this is it this is it i had never had interest in and wearing the gi or uniform it just i just never had an interest it just wasn't for me well, that's what I loved about watching uh, Caro fight was, um, you know, I myself personally, when I look at no-gi judo, 
stand-up, it looks very much like the old catch wrestling, you know, because you don't have the, the gi to hold onto, so you got to do whizzers and underhooks and things like that, but the same kind of throws. Yeah, when he burst on the scene, it, it was, I saw that kid and I was like, I want to do whatever he's doing. Because I had never seen, he was like no one else. Yeah. And uh, that's another reason why I sought out Hagestan. Yeah, I never got to, when I was working out at Gene's, um, I, got a, I got a role with Pacific Ocean. He was a tough guy. And uh, and then who else? Monvel. Man, Monvel was a beast, man. He he about buckled my knee with a with a he single was very, leg. He's a strong kid. Super strong and super fast. And then Gokor, man, I could just Gokor's foot sweeps. Now this is before I ever got to train with Billy and Carl, and I was very mediocre before I trained with them. But man, I mean I had been wrestling grappling for like ten years and to to wrestle with Gokor, man, that guy is like a whole other level. Didn't he he just won like all these crazy world championships too at like 60 yeah, or something. He, he got a bug up his ass and he was like, you know what? I'm going to go win all their tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he did. Wow. Yeah. He's, wow. he's, yeah, he was a guy that I felt like never got a, enough recognition for his greatness. Cause he's, you know, he's Armenian. He kind of stuck to him. He wasn't trying to take over the, the game. You know, he just kind of was happy to have a good business and, and uh, I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but he was he was brilliant, and um, they, it was something special there. It was just like no one else, you, nowhere else you're gonna go. It was there. And then uh, you know, when I met Billy, he was he was very very. I mean, I I still talk about Billy, you know, and I didn't train with him very much, but from what I got from him, I learned a lot. And I remember him writing me about using too much energy, and I had never thought about that. And to focus more on leverage and that right there, that when he started talking more about leverage and, and things like that and how to shift off your knees and use your toes and a lot of those details, it started cleaning up my technique and inspiring me a lot because I realized there's a whole nother element that I need to perfect. And he kind of had the answer for that. Well, I think, I think there's a bit of a misconception uh, put out by some people who maybe don't understand catch wrestling at the level of somebody like billy and there's a lot you know uh, that it that it's very much about like power and strength and imposing your will and and certainly it's about imposing your will but it's not about power and strength it really is about leverage and timing and and kind of the physics like so you exactly what you said so you don't have to work so hard because you know you look at the wrestling now these these guys at least on say folk style or collegiate they've only got to go for a couple minutes so it's gotten to be a much of a power game you know the 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 pathway by which you train these guys the the cardiovascular pathway yeah but but back in the day you know these catch wrestling guys would have to wrestle sometimes hours so you couldn't right. bl- blow your wad you had to really it was a marathon not a sprint yeah it but you know it's it was the technique was masterful because it, it, you can always, you know how you feel it. Like I remember when he was showing me like how he does his cross face from behind, you know, mm. and he shorts it in a way that most guys don't. And um, most guys, when they cross face me, I feel pain in my teeth, but I can usually take it, but I don't feel like my neck's going to break. Right. And I remember him locking it in a certain way. And I still teach it the way he showed me and he shorted it. And all he did was turn his wrist and I felt my neck about to snap. Yeah. Like I could tell. You know, even at his age and him being nice, that I could feel my vertebrae shifting. Yeah. And I was like, "Holy shit, this is masterful. Yeah. This is different." Uh, and it really opened my eyes, and I studied everything I could get my hands on. But uh, and plus, yeah. he was just an encyclopedia to the history. I, I had no idea it was 
I, you know, I don't know. You know, well, it was really thing. cool. I mean, it was it was you who who was kind of the prime mover about getting us out uh, to Vegas to um, to to teach a seminar out there, and and that was fantastic because um, uh, first of all, that was the night before uh, uh, Son and uh, Silva won. And, uh, and Billy was up there giving him tips and stuff before that night, which was really just, uh, it was a real special moment. That's to be right. Chael and uh, Ellenberger were in training yes. with me for the week. Yes. And, and that had to be the same time Billy and we all had a powwow with Randy and all stuff. That was a fun time. That was it. Well, and then on top of that, um, I don't know how many people know this or not, but your roommate at the time, Brian Danielson or, oh, that's or right. Daniel Bryan was there too. So, I mean, it was a really cool like weekend because of all of the like high level guys in whatever discipline were, were there. It was really a fun, uh, that was a great, great weekend, man. Yeah. It was very, uh, you couldn't recreate something like that. You know, it was just very, it was never planned. It just happened that way. It was beautiful that way. You know, it was cool. Yeah. I, and, and I, I, uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, but it was a bit of pulling teeth to get Billy to go out to Vegas because he hated Vegas. And oh, he, yeah? Oh, and the only reason was is because, you know, after, like in the late 80s and early 90s, he had a real rough period in his life. Like, he was retired from wrestling, not making the, like, crazy money he was used to making, and uh, his his wife had divorced him and taken everything, and he was in a bad way. And uh, he ended up getting a job at the Gold Coast as a security guard. And, oh, man. and he was fucking everybody up. And so he became a liability. And so he couldn't even work there. He had to work at a gas station, like, at, you know, as the guy behind the counter ringing people up for gas for a while before Miyato brought him out to Japan. So he always had like this kind of like, like distaste for, for Vegas. But he, you know, I told him like, man, this is going to be amazing. And he was stoked. He was like, uh, you know, he couldn't believe that he was getting an opportunity to go out there. But he, it, it was a little bit like, you know, like uh, he was having flashbacks and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't. It was the dark time in his life. Yeah, yeah. But you, you know, at least his last memories of Vegas will be very, very positive. You know, uh, because of because of you, which was uh, fantastic. So, where you're back in Vegas now? Because I know the. So you were there, and then you did you go to you were in Florida or where did you go after Vegas? Yeah. So after here, like kind of when Randy retired, I started going out more to Alliance because Chandler. Mike Chandler went out there. Yeah. Uh, and I was really clicking with them. And um, I just felt after five years of being in Vegas, it was time to move on. So it, it was hard for me to leave, but it was, I did leave. And then uh, I was at Alliance for about a year and a half, two years. I liked it there a lot, but financially, mm-hmm. it was kind of hard to live well because, you know, California was expensive and I wasn't pulling much in. And, uh, then uh, Anthony Johnson had a real desire to bring me out to, um, to the Black Syrians in Florida. And then I came out and helped them with a camp. And it just clicked really well with everybody. And, of course, that was a big market team. So I had a massive pay raise. Yeah. And uh, so I went out there for the job. And it was great. And I loved it. And it was a great time. But then, you know, that the team broke apart because of financial issues. And then, unfortunately, Glenn died. Right. the owner so after that i was kind of lost didn't know where to go some of my buddies wanted to go like pat cummings and them they wanted to go to um to denver and check it out because you know he's a big mountain biker and i've never lived in the mountains i knew you were out there and some other people 
and I went out there and I uh, started working in, you know, at a gym and started getting, you know, something, something going. But uh, I really had a tough time adjusting uh, uh, to the to den- the mountain type of life. As far as I was really sick and having a lot of pain. It's and, uh, uh, my heart it... wasn't in it. I was actually missing Vegas. That's I had a lot of friends there. So after that, I was like, you know what? I, I think I want to go home. And um, yeah, because of my tactical background, there's more jobs out here as well for me. So right, I just I came back and um, taking my time, just happy to kind of stay in one place for a little bit. And, and so you're and, at uh, you're at Syndicate, right? Uh, John Wood's place. Yeah, yeah. So I I help him out. I, I'm not really. Uh, I definitely help him out. One of his coaches, but I I. I probably teach one, two pro classes a week, but I, I work some privates with guys and I want to start teaching hobbyists again. I, I missed, cause you know, when you're with hobbyists, you can teach all the stuff. You can teach yeah. leg locks, you can teach anything because it's different. It's not MMA. So when I teach MMA, I, I teach a lot of wrestling mm-hmm. and a lot of wrestling to ground transitions and uh, blending punches to takedowns. And, you know, I picked up a lot of things over the years, just working with great coaches and fighters. So, I was able to grow, but, uh, I miss teaching all my ground stuff. Cause that's what I, that's what I'm best at, you know? And, um, I'm trying to bring, trying to get back into that. And I like to have a little team of students, but it's got a, it's kind of tough right now with my work schedule. So I'm trying to balance it and make it work for me so I can get something solid going. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I miss having a, a little school or like, like a team, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, and and John Wood seems like a nice guy. I don't know him that well. All I know is that he beat me at Grappler's Quest in like 2005 and (laughs) then went on to smoke the rest of the tournament. So He's a uh, a cool guy. He's very laid back. He's very laid back, and he's just a cool guy. And his team's – he's got a younger team. He's got a few older guys like Tom Lawler and stuff. Mike Pyle, they were there and Mm -hmm. helping out. Yeah, good guys. There's a lot of younger team. So it's a big switch for me. Um, And – but it's kind of fun with younger guys that are up and coming because they're more chasing that dream. And you can maybe make an influence on them so they don't have to go through all the rough periods everybody else had to, you know. Right. So I, I actually found I'm enjoying it. I'm older now, so I'm not uh, – I, I enjoy it. It's, it's – uh, I'm happy to be there, you know. So, so how long were you in California? Because clearly, you know, you're down at the highest end – uh, dojo for a while. I lived minute. in Cali for about five years before I went to Vegas. Okay. Okay. And was that something associated with your, uh, air marshal stuff? Yeah. So I actually had gone out to, um, LA a bunch cause I had a lady I used to date back in San Diego and we used to go up and I really wanted to train with go course. So I went there and I, like I said, after, you know how it is, like, you know, when you met Billy, you just knew this is the guy I right. had to learn from. And that's kind of, at that point, I, Gokor and Gene and, and those guys were, they were like no one else, and they seemed actually interested. So I actually put in a transfer and transferred to the L.A. field office and just to train and learn, and then um, and then eventually I had to medically retire because I lost my vision and, and my hearing. So uh, I just focused on grappling. It was Honestly, I was grappling and training just to kind of mentally survive because it was really hard on me you know to lose my my dream i was chasing a dream you know i i was trying to go into the cia and i i had done my interviews and things were looking good i picked up a language i picked up a bachelor's degree i i was really really motivated wow. and then when i lost my vision i lost all that so 
I went through a really dark period. And if it wasn't for car reprising and, and highest end and, and grappling, I I don't know if I would have, I don't know if I would have pulled myself through it. And, um, so it's a real, you know, it's a real special place for me for a lot of reasons. You know, it's, I, there's, uh, they did an article one time in muscle and fitness on me and they, and they titled it grappling for life. And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not being so much literal on that, but it kind of felt like that. Um, you know, and you know what that's like, dude, you're telling, you're saying this and I'm just sitting here nodding my head. Like, yep, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes just being in the game and contributing is enough to make you feel like you're doing it. You know, when you know you have handicaps that won't allow you to do it. It's frustrating. I mean, and I'm sure there's other people that are going to listen to this that have had their own kind of situations similar, but yeah, I mean, when I finally had to stop grappling, um, it, it was pretty freaking depressing, man. <laughs> it was pretty f- freaking depressing because it was like, yep. shit, this is something that I've wrapped my entire identity around and I've done for a long time. And shit, this is how I resolve problems. All, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And uh, and then you just can't do it. And uh, I, I totally, I feel you. But, but the thing is, is it's addicting and there's other ways that you can help. Um, even if you can't still be, you know, yeah, on yeah the you mats. know how it is when you're teaching, you still get a little of that juice, you know. Well, that's why Billy did it, man. You're he was right. crippled up, couldn't do shit, but man, he yeah, would, I mean, he, he could still, not stay off the mats. Like we help him get on the floor because he just wanted to, you know. <laughs> you could just see it in his eyes that yeah. deep down inside, I, I guarantee you, was thinking, if I had a fresh body, I'd still be doing it, you know. Yeah. yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, okay. So, speaking of all that kind of stuff, you you hooked up with a, a good friend of mine, uh, Michael Steenson. Yeah. How yeah. is that going for you? Because you've got you even got your own freaking CBD blend, dude. Yeah, I appreciate that introduction. He's he's a cool guy, and he's got a good heart. He's just like a good hearted guy. And yeah, CBD. He came to one of our camps. That's how I met him. Is he came to oh, one really? of the camps? Oh yeah, and then was so blown away. And then, man, like I've talked to him about all, and he launched the whole CBDU me, but now you've got a blend, uh, the Godfather blend, which is awesome. <laughs> That's rad. Um, yeah. so are, like you're taking it and, and, uh, I mean, it is kind of a miracle really. Yeah. And to be honest with you, uh, it, it, I was patient with it because I've taken CBD before, but I had minimum results, but when, you know, the Godfather, it's a limited one because it's very high quality. Yeah. And I think they don't really mark up the price much at all. So I don't even know what they're making on it. Right, right. The margins might not be that awesome on it. Right. It was kind of more of a thing to, you know, help people in and to bring attention to all the other great products they have too, you know. But um, I I stuck with it. And once I got past like three or four weeks, all of a sudden I didn't know why I was feeling better. And I, I started to click that, holy crap, I'm not in pain. And uh, I was feeling better mentally and physically. And, um, and then, you know, you kind of take it for granted. When you're not in pain, you don't always notice. And, uh, and then I had run out. And I asked, you know, I had waited. You know, I was like, oh, I'll text them. I'll text them. And I put it off, put it off. And then all that pain came back. And you just realize, holy crap, that stuff was really working. Right. You know, so it's kind of one of those things. If you stay on it and, you, and you're a little patient with it in the beginning, you're going to get a lot of benefits from it. Um, well, and then there's all the, you know, besides like what you're talking about, the pain and stuff, which, cause I've got crazy joint things, which I'm sure you do too. Oh yeah. Um, like the doctors actually, so when they, when I had to go in for this thing, like they're, they did three CAT scans and they did 
three ultra. I mean, I am more scanned than I've ever been. So it was like getting like a super checkup. They're like, you, do you know you got a hernia on your left side? And you know, you got yeah, that. Your like, insurance Shit. company hates you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Dude, it was ridiculous. Uh, but the, you know, the, 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 the doctor came in and he's like asking me all this stuff about the blood clot and about my veins and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, he's like, but I need to ask you, do you smoke? And I'm like, no, I don't smoke at all. Um, and even here in Colorado, I don't smoke weed. I do edibles. So I, I don't smoke. And uh, he's like, you don't smoke, but you know, we looked at your shoulders and you've got shoulders of like somebody who smokes 60 cigarettes a day or is 90 years old, the calcification. And, and I'm like, well, he's, I said, what else could cause it? He said, lifting weights. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably the 300 Hindu push-ups that I used to do for like years and Okay. Yeah. Are you there? Yeah. Ooh, okay. I got you back. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sometimes it cuts out. Uh, anyway, I was just talking about the fact that in addition to the pain relief, you also find that uh, CBD is great for like preventing cancer and all these other crazy like neurological problems. So it's a good preventative in, in addition to like just helping with pain relief too in joints. Definitely helps you with stress too, you know. Mm. And uh, I just hand, I just, it made me, it's good, you know, because when you're in pain, you know this, when you're in pain, your personality changes. You can only suck up so much. Yeah. And yeah. You become an little, asshole. <laughs> yeah. It, it's hard. It's hard. You're suffering, you know, and, and little things become very heavy, you know, and, uh, and so, and it, see, it does kind of helps you on both aspects, you know, the mental and the physical. So, so where do people and, get it though? Is it on the CBD UME site or is there a specific? Yeah, you can get on uh, their website. It's, um, there's no THC in it, so it can ship anywhere. And, nice. um, it's a safe product. I, I've taken it and I've taken your analysis tests for my job and passed no fine. So, so it, it's not going to pop on test that in my experience, I don't want to get sued, but in my experience, <laughs> yeah, in your experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know, it's a good product and here's my, and my thing is it, it worked for me and I'm pretty hard to find something. I'm very skeptical and that's why I got behind the product so much because it was really helping me and, you know, um, I think Mike's in it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a he's a he, it's made by grapple. Yeah, he's a grapple. He's grapple. a good one too. And and that's what he's trying to do. And here's my thing. I don't. I don't, this is how I am. You know, if if there's like a fighter, and then he goes into let's say Tyrone Woodley, he gets into music and he puts out a rap album like he is. I love that. I support people doing things in our community because. We might be on the other side of the, on the cage sometimes, but in the end, we're all outsiders in this one thing. Mm-hmm. And, and and the thing about it is, if a guy's is, say you're 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 a grappler or you're this, and you're trying to do something else, I'm going to show support for you because you're you're we're in the same team, you know, in the big picture. Yeah, we're all in the know? same business. Ultimately, that's how we make our livelihoods. Right. Yeah, I, I I always wish for people to succeed, not to fail. It's just um, I was a cynical kid growing up and you know, I, I don't like when people are cynical towards me. So I do my very best not to be too cynical. No, but you're right about the pain thing. Cause it's just like a dog, right? You have an old dog and he's all crippled up in arthritis and a little kid comes and pets him and he snips at him and people are like, Oh, that dog's mean. Well, no, the dog's in a lot of pain. And, yeah. and that's why the only reason why he's doing that, he's just crabby. And yeah, I feel yeah, everybody you. has a, every, everybody gets a mulligan to be grumpy, you know? <laughs> Right. If we, everybody judges by our bad moments, I think we'd all look pretty bad. <laughs> true, true. 
Um, so, you know, and before we leave the topic of, uh, highest and all that, um, uh, because I, I really do think that, that Gokor and Gene, um, that they do deserve wider recognition because I remember back like Gokor was having a hell of a time getting booked, uh, against the Gracies, you know what I mean? Because of kind of the promotional machine. He was, he was actively seeking them for competition. Yeah, yes. hard, hard, and he wouldn't get booked. And, you know, we both know that there's, you, you know, you could create certain presentations through booking, uh, you know, make things look a certain way through booking. And um, that's a real shame because, I mean, man, I just can't speak highly enough of uh, of Gokor and Gene and kind of where you guys, where you came from. Um, another tough guy that I only met once, and he's out there, in uh, Vegas is Harut. I only met him once, but he really... Uh, yeah, Harut's for scary dude. Yeah, he's really, yeah. in terms of talent and a guy that nobody knows about, um, at, like at a big level. And it, it's, But he's got to be in his 40s or something too by now. Yeah, he actually got hit by a car and it jacked him up pretty good. And I oh. think after that, he kind of faded out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, he was, he was known as... You know, a very strong, brutal, talented, technical man. Right. And uh, a lot of people feared him because of it. I, mean, I remember him doing double arm bars from guard on Rico Rodriguez when he was champ. Like, it was nothing. You know, it's, <laughs> wow. it's like, damn. <laughs> wow. And he's just playing with them. Wow. So he, he was just a different element. He did fight and did that, and then he burnt out. And, and you know, there, might, there wasn't money for it back then like right. it is now, you know. Well, that's so what a lot of people don't understand either of. is like – that's ultimately what made me go and do my stint in pro wrestling is because back in like 1998, I mean, there were, there weren't like hardly any tournaments. I think Naga was the only thing going, um, or no grapplers quest. I think it was like one of those was the only one going back then <clears throat> that was like big, you know, like, like a decent size and to get booked on MMA or something was like near impossible. Um, uh, and man, there's so many really tough guys like Harut that just people don't even have a clue about. But he's coaching still too, I think, right? I, I don't know what he's doing. I know he had Guardian MMA, and then uh, I a, a kid named Gokor Abramian. I think that's how you say his last name. He's a little guy, a, a smaller guy. I, you know, he's an interesting kid. He used to be obese, and he lost all the weight. And he's a good grappler. He's really he's really talented. He's a black belt under Gokor. And he took over, and he has something called Freestyle MMA, and it's in Vegas. And I go there, and he's 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 building a nice little program. He's got a lot of Harood's old students; they're all oh, there. Oh, good. So okay. it's kind of cool when a guy is going to a highest stand gym in Vegas. So I haven't been in because I had gotten injured, but uh, it's starting to do better. So I'll probably start going back in there. I just like helping him out because we're in the same family, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and uh, like again, not to. Sound like a broken record, but yeah, that whole highest end program is just—I mean, it's—it's it's really an incredible. Uh, I, I will definitely say I think uh, my experience, and you know, I don't think you're gonna find a better leg locker than Go Korchevici. Mm-hmm. I remember he used to let us start off in heel hooks on him, and he would just look at us like we're babies. You know, he's just a different. Because he was telling me when he grew up, he grew up in uh, Soviet Union, I believe. Um, and he said when he was a little kid, I, I hope I'm not misremembering this because it's been a while, that um, they used to take the kids when they were young and, and do things to find out what sports to put them in. So if kids like had sunken in eyes and thick skulls, they'd maybe get in the boxing because their, yeah. you know, their eyes would be more protected. Or, right. 
and he said when he was a kid, they, they laid down and started twisting their, you know, having the kids twist their legs and squeeze their ankles and do these things. And the kids that had, you know, like a lot of movement in the joints went on to do something else. Mm-hmm. And the kids that were, you know, you know, genetically designed for it, um, stayed with it and became Sambo athletes. And that's what happened with Gokor. Wow. So he, when he was a little kid, he had like stacks of medals. I mean, that's all he did was compete, compete, compete. And he actually caught the attention of Gene LaBelle and Gene saw this guy, Gokor, just, you know, a little foreign guy, just destroying guys way bigger than him. And he's like, man, I, I gotta, I gotta like this kid. I'm going to train him. And that's how it kind of, I don't want to speak for him because I'm pretty sure I'm guessing if I remember right, it's been many years, but I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, he's. I had gotten there, and I'd never been just, you know, I'd I'd done judo for a little bit before I uh, really got into <clears throat> wrestling, but I had never experienced like somebody able to sweep me the way that guy. I mean, his his foot sweeps were just unbelievable. Um, well, his grips were nuts. I remember he would grab my ankle, and I I mean, it was <laughs> painful. His, his hands are ridiculously strong. You know, he's a. He's a he was a bear, and know? what a great combo to to have him and Gene LaBelle together. That's just like pure brutality. I love it. Yeah, and Gene had a funny way of teaching. It was brutal, but it was funny. Yeah, you know, he would. I remember some guy like grabbed their hands together and like a gable, but they didn't tuck their thumbs, so their thumbs were exposed. Oh. And Gene was like, he said, "Everybody, listen up. If I see you grab your hands like this, I will." burn your goddamn house down but you know he said it like in a funny way but that's the kind of coaching he got from him he was he was always like giving me like making fun of me because my tattoos are black and gray he wanted to know when i was going to color them in and you know but he would also come over and teach us something and he was a nice guy he was just he was just gene labelle he's a larger than life personality man he i mean he really when i was there uh, in, in LA and, and going to the gym and all that kind of stuff and really trying to get this catch wrestling stuff he, uh, I was very lucky for the Cauliflower Alley Club back in like 2006, co-presented an award with him. And he, he actually connected me with uh, Mondo Guerrero. Um, huh. Yeah, Mondo was actually going to open up a uh, Lucha Libre school in my gym that I had down in San Juan Capistrano. We weren't living that far from each other at the time. Oh, that would have been cool. Yeah, it would have been interesting. I would have loved to have seen, uh, you know, some of that Guerrero style uh, uh, wrestling, te- uh, pro wrestling technique. But... Um, Gene would take me to the Sportsman's Lodge out in LA, which was really cool. And I'd hang out with him and all these old crusty, uh, wrestlers telling funny stories and stuff. Just a real special time. He's a, he's a special guy and man, he's, he's still going. I mean, he's like, I know. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's, he's always had sharp wits. I definitely wreck anyone to, anyone to read his book, The Godfather of Grappling. Um, it's a great read. It's funny. And I, if you don't know much about Gene, uh, I think after you read that, you'll find out what he was about. He was a, he's a very unique person. He's the kind of person like, like I wish I could be like, but you know, it's just not in the cards. He's a funny guy. Yeah. That book actually, the Godfather of grappling. And I agree. It's a great book. That was ghostwritten by, um, uh, a couple of my friends, uh, <clears throat> um, Bob Calhoun, who I actually was on a wrestling tour with, ironically enough. And, um, and then, uh, Noel, who, you know, does a lot of like stunt work and stuff down there, Noel Kim. But um, let's take a break here just for a second. Pay, uh, keep the lights on, pay the bills. Uh, guys, we'll be right back. We got Neil Melanson uh, with us. We're going to talk uh, a little more grappling and what he's up to and, and some more stuff. So hang on. We'll be right back in uh, just a few.
All right, we are back. Uh, this is the Do It Again podcast. I am Jake Shannon. On the other line is Neil Melanson. You there, Neil? Yes, I am. Okay, so uh, before the break, we were kind of going down the rabbit hole of uh, of uh, Gene and Gokor a bit. Again, just amazing guys. Um, but you, I mean, so you you got your black belt from Caro. Is that right? That's right. And then and then you've kind of been training like. Like, I mean, you've really been training high-level guys. So you were the grappling coach at uh, Extreme Couture, and then at the Black Zillions. Uh, now you're kind of over at Syndicate and kind of just maybe helping over there. But you're also freelancing a bit too, right? You're doing seminars yeah, and things I'm of that nature. Yeah, I'm going around a little bit. I, you know, I, I, I'm trying to take – I needed to take a break. I got very, very burnt out. And um, I just felt like my life wasn't mine anymore. And mm. – um, so when you have those big market teams and you've got a great team, there's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of travel. And when you got health problems, it makes it harder and harder. And then you just get to a point where you just you just got to, like, you know, step aside. Got to make a decision. Maybe work on a smaller level. And I've, I've kind of just come to terms with it. And so, you know, I – but I, lo- I still roll and train all the time. I love it. and. You know, there's good people here in Vegas. I like pounding around with and training with. Frank Muir's been coming in, touring around with him, and so it's 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 good. But yeah, I like it. Yeah, and uh, so guys, if you're interested in booking a seminar too, uh, Neil is one of the featured athletes over at uh, PinAndSubmit.com. You can just go there, fill out the form, and you know, we'll make sure Neil gets out to you, and we'll you know we'll figure it all out. Um, so you're you're. You're still teaching, but then you're like, and then you got the Godfather CBD blend, but then I see like, now, wait a minute now. Okay. Cause I'm, I want to talk about the DVDs cause you got a ton of like, you've got this whole like leg wizard thing. And then, I mean, you've got a ton of content and you're very prolific in terms of output. Um, but before we got on, you were also talking about your books, but wait, like, weren't they all published by victory belt? Like, in I mean, are they out of what? print or no? No, I only did that one book, uh, Mastering Triangle Chokes. And Victory Belt, they started off in martial arts, but then they went on to diet and nutrition. They started doing all types of stuff. Now they're, they're a very, uh, very, very, um, very, very good publishing house, and uh, they don't do martial art books anymore. And there's only two in print left out of all their books, and that's uh, my book, and I believe Salo Ribeiro's wow. Encyclopedia Jiu-Jitsu. Wow. So, yeah, so we're, I'm the, we're the only two that lasted. And, that's uh, awesome. It's not out of print. So, that's amazing. Yeah, it, you know, what's funny. It went out of print for a little bit, and then with my DVD started releasing, it people were asking for it, so mm. they re-released it, and, you know, that was five or six years ago, and it's still selling, so, like, you know, I'm, I'm excited that I spent a lot of work on that. You know, I, I spent a lot of time and I, I, you know, I wrote those uh, chapter introductions explain a lot, you know, it wasn't, I kind of figured this was going to be my one book. So I wanted yeah. to kind of pour my heart into it and then at least put it to bed, you know? Well, I, the, it's a shame that they're not doing martial arts books because they really did a fantastic job too. I mean, in terms of like, you look at all those different instructional manuals and stuff that are, that are out on the market and there's a ton they really did a good job of making it look good and, and being able to learn and teach from a book, which is hard to do. Well, apparently, uh, the, you know, making the book is very time consuming because all the photos and photo edits, and, yep. you know, it, it's a lot of work. And um, I don't think, 
you know, the printing pages, you know, you know, we've done books that you have a lot of color print. It's expensive. So the markup wasn't all that great. So then when they started switching to other diet books, especially the paleo diet, they started killing it. And it just right. made more sense as a business. You know, they had put out a lot. I think they contributed a lot to, to martial arts and, you know, the fight game by, you know, trying to get all these great athletes and, and coaches to share on these books. And they did a lot of books and, but yeah, now, now it's over. You know, they moved on. I mean, well, I've been I, I other... can speak to that in first, first hand experience. Like, I mean, you know, as somebody who puts out books and DVDs and all that kind of stuff, I mean, it's just funny to me. There's people out there to this day who think there's a ton of fucking money in this. And there is not, I mean, no, you got to do like, you're very like, hard. Like they did and move to like, paleo diet and i mean the soccer mom money is where the money's at in this little niche man it's like everybody i know that's dedicated <clears throat> like yourself to doing this for a long time there's not a lot of money in it i mean unless you're like hitting the level of like conor mcgregor and running some big deals everybody else is just like <laughs> paycheck to paycheck on this stuff it's a yeah. passion play a hundred percent you're it's a hundred percent and you know you know how it is most of the people you want to train the ones that are passionate and are chasing the dream and taking it a hundred percent serious like you do are the kind of other people that are broke, yeah. you know, <laughs> they're, the they're, they don't have money. So you can't really get blessed from a rock either, yep. but it's fun. So yeah, it's kind of one of those things, you know, unless you open up a, a school in a real high income area and then you'll get people that are businessmen and right. they can only do so much because they have careers or they're doctors that don't want to hurt their hands and, you know, they have limitations on how far they're going to go. And that's fun. You're still meeting good people and you're making money. But it's different when you got, you know, those kids and those guys and girls that are willing to pay pay the man like you did and 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 learn this thing the way it's supposed to be learned. You know, the hard way, you know, the grind. Yeah, you pay you know? those, in those, those dues you pay the hard way. You don't pay it with a credit card, man. That shit's like... <laughs> Yeah, time spent getting cranked and and yelled at and all everything else. Um, so so let's talk about some of the DVDs that you have. And it's all what BJJFanatics.com. That's the yeah, that's, your... that's I've done them all with them. Yeah. Okay, so you've got explain the the leg wizard for people that don't understand oh, the, shin the concept. Wizard? The shin wizard. Yes, sorry. Yeah, shin wizard is. Uh, I think that was my the shin wizard and snap guard were my last two DVDs I I put out. I've I've got about. I don't know, seven to nine DVDs already out. And I plan on doing, I have another four listed to the film. So um, I'm going to keep expanding, but the Shin Wizard is just a, you know, it's just a wrestling move. You see college wrestling or you see anywhere, it's just a counter. And um, I started, you know, I, I thought it was cool because I've, you know, if you get stuck in a Shin Wizard, it sucks. And um, you know, because of wrestling, they, you know, potentially dangerous, they have limited, what they can actually do with a shin wizard and in the grappling game we have you know we have everything so i just started taking it and manipulating it and putting it into a system that i i utilize and i love it i think shin wizard's dope um ever since i had back surgery i, I don't want to be in you know and generally speaking tactically you don't want to be on your back too much but um i developed the, the snap guard as a as a theory as a the snap guard was something I've always wanted to do, but I needed more and more wrestling to learn it. And um, and once I got the wrestling, I felt like, okay, now I can do it all. So the snap guard is it's just a concept so people tactically make right decisions. So they're not on the receiving end. You're not getting stacked. You're not getting your 
not stuck in guard because you keep playing that game, you're going to get back surgery. Your body can only take, you know, when guys are trying to punch you in the guard and you're trying to stay there, your lower back can only take too much and take so much. And I've had back surgery and I have to get another one to get it fused. So I'm not going to be under someone letting someone stack the crap out of me anymore. So after that, I, I started blending all my guard stuff with, the tactical decision of going to a snap front headlock into the back. And uh, to do that, I, I found a lot of different little systems I could plug in. And the Shin Wizard concept was something I was putting together from the bottom as well as the top, as well as countering a single. So um, I just blended off of it and I want to get it out there. You know, the reality is, and you know this better than anyone, uh, no gi jiu-jitsu is going the way of catch wrestling, whether yeah. they admit it or not. It's the truth. You know? I mean, I mean I dude, like the le- the whole leg lock thing, and now with Danaher even using the word pinning to describe anything that he's doing, which doesn't really look much like the pinning I'm used to, but the the nomenclature and the and the plot, a hundred percent agreement. Yeah, and I I think they what they need to do if they want to make the sport successful, they need to change the rules in the scoring system. And I had created my own tournament rules that were based similar to like a. In the freestyle uh, folk style wrestling, where it's three periods of three minutes, mm, and yep. uh, but the uh, top bottom set of referee. Hello, are you there? Oh, Neil. Yeah, you cut out for just a second. Uh, top bottom, and then what'd you say? Uh, yeah, you could, you know, instead of playing the referees from the top bottom scenario and, and wrestling, you utilize a guard instead and mm. you create a simple point system of twos and ones. You know, I, I don't like how you can get four points for the back. These guys rack up points and then they stall and you're yeah. in a deficit. Right. You know, if you get and then out, you and then you, you have no chance escape, of selling it. Escape point. You have no you know? chance of selling it as a as a spectator sport when these guys Absolutely. try to gain these points. There's exactly and they, they, they have to redesign it. If they make it a spectator sport, it will continue mm-hmm. to grow and go into the college level. Because the colleges are curious about it. They really are. But it's, they know it's not going to sell. But you make it a spectator sport with the proper rules. So, guy, you know, and, and, and change things, you'll, you can actually have a spectator sport and who knows where it could go. Yeah. And that's really where my, my belief in catch really comes in, too. Because, you know, I think part of the success of uh, MMA is the simplicity, right? And the same with boxing, a knockout. So simple. I mean, you don't have to be an expert boxer to understand that guy just got knocked the F out, right? Like, that's simple. Pinning, super easy. Like animals, when they like are being submissive, they lay down on their back and expose their belly to you. Like simple. The, the, you know, the pin pushes the action on grappling. It makes these guys force exposures. Like when their back is on the mat, they got to put an arm up, which opens them up to arm submissions, or they have to scramble and get out. And it moves the action because, I mean, anybody who's gone to a judo tournament, jiu-jitsu tournament, grappling tournament, unless you're a competitor... If you're a family member or something, it's pretty damn boring because they don't understand it. They don't understand the, the the subtleties. I, I agree. I that think points gonna, and shit. Especially when these tournaments give advantage points for submission attempts, but yet they don't give rewards for riding time. Mm. Uh, it, it, it just shows what the rules are designed for a style. It's done to a BJJ style. Yeah, true. But to me, grappling is more than BJJ. If you're... If you're a no-gi guy and you're a DJJ black belt and you can't do Greco or wrestle, you are not a grappling master. You are ground fighting. You know, you're good at your ground fighting. Right. But you you are not fully complete. And I yes. I only I recognize wrestling as grappling because it is. 
Um, and a lot of, I think the best grapplers in the world are wrestlers. They just don't care about jujitsu because mm-hmm. if they did, if Jaden Cox cared about jujitsu, everybody in the world would know Jaden Cox is the best grappler in the world. Probably, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, it's just, that's one example. You know, these guys are, they're, they're, they're on the world stage on the Olympics. They're not, you know, and I think people don't want to wrestle because it's hard and it takes a long time and it's exhausting. Yeah. You can't rest in wrestling. Well, that's the hard part about running a school. Like that's what I, you know, when I tried to run a catch wrestling school, it totally failed because, you know, nobody wants to do that. It's really hard. It's like hard exercise. And then it's really hard on your, like, you know, the ripping and the jonesing and, and, you know, when you're cross-facing people, it's a tough thing and it's hard for retention. Well, it's kind of like you've noticed this. One of the biggest challenges to teaching on beginners, coordination levels aren't there. Mm-hmm. So people want to learn the technique, but they don't want to learn the coordination. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't have one without the other. You, yeah. know? you have to be able to perform the art. And for some reason, people aren't too coordinated on two feet when it comes to changing their levels and moving. But if they work on it, they'll get it. I mean, I'm a giraffe on stilts when I move. <laughs> but I worked on it, and I worked on it, and I got better. Right. And um, it actually... All my wrestling has tremendously helped my ground game. You know, nothing helped my hand fighting better than training straight Greco. Mm. You train straight Greco, your hand fighting is going to get legit because they're a different level of hand fighting. Well, I think I there's mean, a reason why Greco guys have had such success in MMA too. And I think a lot of it is really because they're not changing levels. You know, you'd really do, unless you're like an awesome sweep single guy or a blast double guy. And then, you know, if you got an athlete like that, don't, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, you know, a lot of this level changing stuff that you can get away with that in folk style, but you know, in MMA, you're opening yourself up to getting treated like Ben Askren did, you know, and he's a stud, you know, like uh, it's the Greco style seems, and that's where Billy came from and Carl, both of them had Greco and they integrated the Greco into their catch. And I think, I think there's a lot to be learned there, you know? Well, you know, actually a friend of mine, Daryl Christian, um, he's, uh, he helped me a lot with my Greco and he's working with a lot of fighters and that's what he's been doing the last, I don't know, handful of years or so. And, uh, he's out in Southern California and his Greco stuff is great, but he's kind of like a master of that cage wrestling and a lot of that. And you do have to kind of level change to get under a lot of punches. But, you know, it, I, it depends on who you are. Like, Daryl can take everybody down from the upper body because that's what he does. Right. But a lot of guys, until they get that level of skill, they, you have to sometimes rip to the legs. But a lot of times what I'll use is a level change to get under the jab, you know, use a single leg, then go straight to the body. And then the other thing with Greco guys, like if you'll know if you ever trained with, with Randy back in the day, is he can out-pummel you for days. They can pummel for days. And right. when they pummel, they hang on you. And it's exhausting. It takes the balls out of you. And I think that's a big factor people don't realize, too. There's someone ripping and tugging at your guts. and I mean, that's what Khabib does. You know, Once he gets a hold of your, your waist, he just rides you and slams you. And then he wrist rides you. And all he's doing is wrestling. And he's destroying everybody on the ground. And he's just wrist riding. That's wrestling. He's getting a leg ride. That's wrestling. Yeah, And I just don't, like, I'm not anti-jujitsu by any means. They've contributed a lot to sport, and I study yes. jujitsu. Agreed. But I've, my, they have plenty of people fighting for jujitsu. I don't need to help them. I'm fighting for wrestling and catch wrestling. And I, I, I don't understand why Americans today 
don't want to recognize American history I of know. grappling. I know. They all want to care about Japan, Brazil, and I get it because those arts have an influence on us, and especially BJJ. However, our history of rough and tumble is rich. Our yeah. history of catch wrestling is rich. Yes. You know, boxing was the fake sport back in the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, can you imagine what it was like going with these animals? You know? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, people you're just don't so want spot to recognize on. that as our history because it's older than BJJ. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, 1870s. I mean, it really is. You know, it's funny because uh, you know I've gone, I I've gone over to England uh, a whole bunch and tried to spread the word, and 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 I have one story that really kind of tells it because it's the same in England too, or it was. I think you know people are getting recognition or catch is getting a little more recognized, but it. I mean, honestly, dude, for every one decent i'm not saying like high level i'm saying competent like good grappler that's a catch wrestler there are probably ten thousand brazilian jiu-jitsu guys i mean the numbers are way skewed and the funny thing is i remember the first time i think it was 2011 uh the billy and i went over to the uk and um we get in this cab we we get picked up at manchester airport to go to our first gig i think was over at uh, chris crossan's gym um, what, when we were going over there, we get picked up the guy who is the chauffeur or the cab driver, whatever <clears throat> we get to talking and he's like, Oh yeah, I love martial arts. You know, he kind of was like, what are you guys doing here? We're like, we're going to teach grappling stuff. Oh, I love it. I love it. But he could tell me everything about Bruce Lee. He could tell me everything about MMA. And I'm like, well, do you know who you have in the car? And he's like, no, no. Who? And I said, Billy Robson. And it just, it just fell on flat ears. And this is a guy who is, Billy was from Manchester and the sport Wigan uh, is like, you know, like an hour or something from maybe a little longer, but they're close, relatively close. And this guy had never heard of catch wrestling at all in the country of its birth. And in the United States, you're right. It's even worse. I mean, the folk style program is probably the strongest uh, in the United States. The folk style wrestling is probably the best um, remnant of the old catch wrestling, I would say. I agree. But the problem is, is they, everybody now, and you know this better than anybody, everybody now, they're a good college wrestler and they decide to go make a little maybe money in, in MMA, but then they unlearn wrestling to learn jujitsu. But you don't have to because the catch wrestling, the submissions are there from the wrestling setups, not the jujitsu setups. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. And I, I think I can talk a lot about this because I, I've seen it happen in many different forms of my life but people think when you're adding technique and concepts to your game that you're getting better yes you might be getting more knowledgeable but you could break your own philosophy and your philosophy gets your confidence you have a philosophy on fighting that you stand behind or wrestling you you're confident and then you start losing learning things that are against your philosophy right and then you start to get lost and you learn more and you're smarter, but you're making bad choices and bad tactical decisions because now you don't have a philosophy about fighting anymore. And that's where I, that's why I spent, I developed the shin, the snap guard because right. you can still take all you learn from jujitsu on the bottom and utilize it in a catch wrestling sort of way and get off your back. And if they drive into you, then pull your tax, your guard techniques. And if the, if they don't come in, you come on top. It's just an active system. And uh, I'm gonna have to get over to BJJ Fanatics. I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to get that. They've got like. I mean, they're blowing up, dude. They've got a lot of talent over there, man. 
Well, what's great is that they're also on uh, uh, fan, uh, wrestling fanatics or yeah. fanatic wrestling. Well, they have judo and, fanatics. Like they have all kinds of stuff, right? I yeah, I was the one that was harping them about wrestling, 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 and Good. now they've gotten Dake, they got Cox, they have all these great wrestlers. You know, even Asker and all these guys, and they're they're putting out instructionals and. You know, those are the guys, and to be honest with you, if I'm going to watch an instructional, I'm probably going to watch a wrestling one. Yeah, yeah. You know, personally. It's yeah, nothing against jiu-jitsu. I've just been doing that for so long. I very, a lot of times I see these techniques, and I'm not knocking it. It's just that they're more for the, uh, the clubhouse because they're so creative. They require so many steps mm-hmm. tactically against a real high-level guy. You know, it's a trick. You don't want to bank – yeah, yeah clinic move on a trick. Use Wait. a trick once in a while. That's what makes a trick work. But you can't, you can't bank on the trick. You need fundamentals. You need, you need tactics. Yeah, Wade. Yeah. Wade. Wade always calls those uh, clinic moves. Where you know it's like they look awesome and they're fancy, but man, there's it's a lot of steps where things could go wrong. You know. Yeah, I mean, I've seen guys I know that I really like and are good, and then they do these like all these crazy submission combinations that are so long and dramatic, and it's like. The first thing I think about is against who, you know, like because <laughs> right. a lot of guys, they just they just don't know how to scramble, you know, because they're they're always on the floor. You know, mm. they're always on their knees or sitting down and they don't realize that those little elements screw up a lot of their scrambles. You know, if you want to you watch world level wrestling like freestyle or you watch folks that watch their scrambles, you know, it, it's those boys pop to their feet. It's a it's a lot of work. And just imagine now if those guys actually cave a a crap about submissions and got into that, there'd be animals. Well, I think that, uh, you know, I think uh, UWW, formerly FILA, I mean, they're really starting to look at grappling. You know, I mean, if it gets in the, if grappling ever gets in the Olympics, that's going to be a big, a big change, I think, in terms of attracting college athletes, you know, college wrestlers. I I think you and me have to hold our breath that they would get some good rules. True and points. True, that, and, and I mean they almost banned, they almost dropped wrestling from the Olympics too, just a couple of years ago. So yeah, I mean it, it's a fifty-fifty on on all that. But still, I'm with you though. I, I would love to see it. Rec- I would love to be a college coach for a grappling program. That would be like that would be awesome to have those kind of guys and oh, and to, to work for a university like that. That would be a dream for me. So I really do hope it happens. But um, I just I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'll submit somebody my rule format and maybe someone will take it and make something of it yeah good well that's all we can do man i mean that's like now when i coach one of the things that i that i teach you know in addition to the technique and you know passing on this stuff from billy and carl and all those guys um as i really push these guys and this is going back to high stand i hate to keep doing that but um one of the things i really learned there uh in my short time there is gokor would run a mini tournament in the school every month I thought that was such a fucking great idea, man. Such a great idea. And I didn't see anybody else doing that at the time that, that I had, you know, all the Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools that I had kind of come and gone through and, and grappling places. I think that, you know, I'm encouraging everybody. They need to just try to figure out how to start to run their own catch wrestling tournaments. You know, like everybody should be doing it because eventually somebody will figure it out and it'll blow up, hopefully, you know, because I've tried for since 2007 and I'm banging my head against the wall to this day. I, I, what I'm hoping for is more and more jiu-jitsu practitioners start ringing the catch wrestling bell. 
because yeah. they're, they're all ripping from there, whether they know it or not, you know, in, and, you know, like 10 planet, I like a lot of those boys they are nice guys and they're creative. They're trying to at least be no gee for the most part. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not knocking that, but like the lockdown, he, he, yeah, he learned that this from is the they're reversing the in death lock and, yeah, you know yeah. a lot of their or the their, truck their, is like the truck. I think is what we call a side ride, or yeah, yeah. It, but it at least he's, they're taking stuff, and, and you know, I just, I, I really hope. I don't know if they advertised catch, but um, if you're gonna take, you know, just remember, there was a lot of people that came before us, right? And they, uh, they, they worked just as hard as we did, or even more, and then they died, and nobody remembers them. Yeah. So if you learn something and you don't hat tip. You're kind of doing a disservice for history, and I, honestly, that drives me nuts. I I see people rip from me all the time, and I yeah. don't care. It's information. I don't own the information. Right, right, right. If I put it out there, I don't own it. Right. So agree. But if you can't hat tip me because of an ego thing, I drive uh-huh. me nuts. I, there's people I know that literally, there I can see they're posting videos and they're doing literally for everything from my TVD that I put out, and that's okay. I'm glad they're showing that support, but they don't hat tip me, and it kind of sucks. Because I had tip everybody. I mean, I got Agreed. a even my Kimura DVD. I got a, a Kimura, what they call Kimura, I got a double wrist lock. But uh, I I have one I called a, a Billy Robinson lock. And it was because I learned it from Billy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't want it. I learned it from him. That's where I got it. So I referred to Billy Robinson. And, I, you know, to if be I fair. If more people turn their head about the history and Billy Robinson, maybe they'll, they'll investigate it. And they're going to learn a hell of a lot more. Yes, sir. You know? yeah, yeah, and that's that is a service as a coach to be able to give people these markers so they can go and search the, the right stuff on their own. But you know, to be fair, I, I do. You know, I I don't know the BJJ community probably as well as you. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm very much oriented on the catch thing scene. But um, you know, to be fair, I do have to say of all the jujitsu people that I see. Uh, Bravo, Eddie Bravo seems to be the guy who at least gives credit. I mean, even on the twister, he's like, yeah, I learned this from my wrestling coach and I kept doing it. And the Machado's, you know, uh, helped me integrate into the game or whatever, you know, but Bravo's and the 10th planet guys have been pretty good about it. Um, as far as I can tell the, the thing is, is they're trying at least I would like to see like, you know, you see like how leg locks got so trendy um, which are a catch wrestling thing, and even Sambo acknowledges that they, that they they got the leg locks from catch wrestling. So speaking about giving credit due, and that's awesome that Sambo does that. Um, yeah. But I'd love to see, and, and you tell me if you're wrong, if I'm wrong, or something that you'd like to see from wrestling to get as trendy as leg locks did. I'd love to see people start working Nelsons into Darces. I'd like to see people working cradles. I see cradles. Like, I can't even watch MMA and grappling anymore because I see cradles everywhere and it's like, ah, I'm going to go crazy, you know, because these guys are just not aware that they're there. I, I think simple things like how to ride a wrist, which is straight wrestling. Yeah. How to, uh, even things like butt drag, people chuckle when I teach it. Butt drag is, is something you definitely need to learn if you're going to be scrambling. You know, how to pick ankles and, you know, like you're talking about leg locks. You don't see top leg locks at all. You see everybody's falling back. There are so many so many leg locks you can do without falling back right you know? and i would say the i almost when i fall i very rarely fall back for a leg lock yeah there's all mine on top yep agreed you know? in fact that was something that carl was like adamant about and, and he was like why are you laying down dude you're the second you lay down <laughs> you lose so much advantage you don't have the strategic high ground anymore well i, I developed a lot of my like, turtle position from studying carl gotch 
Ah, uh, because he he used to play around from there. Yeah, 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 right. And I used to watch him do it, and I'd be like, well, "What is? Why is he playing like that?" And then I would start playing around with it. And now, I'll I turtle all the time. I don't care. Well, it's funny you say that because because uh, Gene, in my conversations with him, he always held Carl uh, as like the greatest you know, catch wrestler that he ever met, like the toughest and, and whatnot. He was so it's funny. Billy too. And Billy, Billy, he definitely put Billy over huge as well. So, um, yeah, man, this has been great. Um, Hey, anything else you want to talk about? You got any seminars coming up or, um, anything where people could catch you? Well, I, I don't know what I have, uh, for our seminar scheduled. I, I definitely want to start going international with my seminars. I, I've okay. gotten some interest from Ireland and Australia. So I want to start putting this, something together. I'm actually working on it right now. And I'm working on something for law enforcement that's going to be big next year. I, I, I don't know if I should speak of it just yet because it's for Fletzy. But um, I'm really excited about giving back to law enforcement because I do have that background. But, um, yeah, just if you need – if people are interested in doing seminars with me or you want to come train with me or something like that, you just get on my Instagram and I'll, I'll get the message pretty quick. Um, Facebook I don't check as often because it's, it's so spammed up. I, I just feel like uh, it's not personal anymore. Yeah, I like Instagram better too. Yeah, it just it just seems a little easier for me. So, so you can contact me on that or fight coach at Gmail. But uh, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of, I imagine. But um, but yeah, I just want to spread my information. I want to keep putting out information and contribute to the sport before I get to the point I can't do it anymore. You spending the time with us today and and sharing the information and passing on. And guys, if you have a hard time. Uh, for whatever reason, find a Neil, you can always reach me and I'll just pass the message along as well. Um, Neil, uh, really appreciate yeah. it, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, I have a, I appreciate bringing me on. And and uh, to everybody out there that's listening, catch wrestling and wrestling fans, just remember no one is better than all of us together. So let's support each other on everything we're doing. And uh, I want to thank you, Jay, because uh, I, I always reference you as the uh, the hub of information for uh, people to go to for catch. And thank you. you're contributing a lot more than you realize. And um, I, I want to thank you for that. And Somebody's got to be the leader ringing the bell, and you're still doing it. And I'm glad you're okay, and I uh, wish you well and your family well. Thank you very much. That's uh, that's very much uh, appreciated and humbling. So uh, thanks again, Neil. And guys, again, just reach out to, to him directly, or you can reach out to me, and I'll put you in touch with him. Uh, Neil, take care, and, and hopefully we'll see more good stuff from you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Okay. Take care.